All right, welcome to another edition of the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is the best of volume two. My name is Randy Zellier from BackSportsPage.com. And before we check out some of the great clips uh, to finish out our first season here on the cut, I uh, just want to address uh, a couple quick things. Uh, when we come back for season two, it's going to look a little different. There will be no Emerito Rivera. Uh, M has decided he wanted to move on from the show. Uh, on a personal note, I want to thank M for everything he's done for me, both as a friend and professionally on the show. His work ethic was uncanny. He was amazing on the show. Uh, he was coming up with some great ideas and some different things, but uh, sometimes um, personalities clash and some things just don't work out. And, you know, I, you know, I, I love the guy to death and I wish him all the best in everything that he does uh, with his life. Um, and we're going to miss him. We're going to, you know, Andrew Fumi, who's the director of the show. He's, you know, we're, I mean, he and I were talking, we're both going to miss him tremendously. And in this sense that the show must go on, we wish him the best in all of his endeavors. And, you know, um, you know, this, I hope this is a, you know, never say never thing. And, you know, you know, this ain't goodbye. We'll see it. This is a see, we'll see you down the road. Um, M from a personal note, thank you for your, your friendship over the years thank you for uh the effort and time it was an unbelievable pleasure watching you on this show grow into a great journalist and a an interviewer and we're gonna do our best to follow the example that you set and uh you know right now we're going to take a look at the best of our work of uh, part two of the cup Pro wrestling podcast check it out right now but shout out to Santana Ortiz. Those are two of my boys right there. So I kind of wanted to look a little different, and I decided to just put the Puerto Rican and the radioactive together. And, and, and you know, and now I still represent Puerto Rico. You know, my, my entrance is still screams me, gente. You know, I still come out. I do my sasson dance, and, you know, we get in the ring, and we get to business. That brings me back to the radioactive thing. Like, is that a Spider-Man thing? Is it the comic book or the movies? Like, it's the comic book. You know, okay. the, the Spider-Man was bit by the radioactive spider. You know, the radioactive genealogist. You know, the way that I move in the ring, I move like a spider. Whether I'm flying, I'm walking on the ropes. You know, the way that I have my spider senses to avoid stuff, get out of things, counter things. Um, so it just went hand in hand with, with, with you know, my love for the comics, my love for, you know, Spider-Man. And then, you know, the poppy side was obviously the Puerto Rican, the homage to Eddie Guerrero. And I just, you know, put, put it together, man. With me now, Ring of Honor. I'm going to say superstar because in, in our eyes, he's a superstar. And he also recently got a friend request from The Undertaker himself, <laughs> Silas Young. Silas, what's up, brother? How are you today, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I, I couldn't leave that out, man. I saw that you posted that on social media, and I was just like, dude, dude got a friend request from The Undertaker. That doesn't happen too often. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, I think any male that's on Facebook, you know, you'll get these friend requests from super attractive women. Then you click on the profile, and obviously, you know, it's a fake profile. So it was the first time I got, um, <laughs> I don't know, a, a friend request from, like, a fake uh, wrestling YouTube, you know, or wrestling Facebook account. It was just weird. So it was funny, though. It was. You're like, all right, cool, Undertaker, man. All right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, you, you had some, you know, experiences with Taker because you were with WWE for a little bit on and off. Um what was your interaction? Obviously, if you're getting a friend request from him, you guys have a little bit of a bond there, right? No, no. I totally think it was a fake account. It wasn't was oh. a real account. I mean, uh, I, the little bit of stuff I did with uh, WWE was 
for like a half a cup of coffee. So yeah, it wasn't very much at all. So you started there and uh, what happened? Like, uh, t- tell me what went through your head with being in the ring. And I always ask this to talent. You're finally in the ring, man. You've seen wrestling all your, all your, your ad- adolescent life, I would say, like it was, as a kid. Yeah. When I came in, I was just 15 years old. Um, and you know, like everybody else, I was amazed because the ring that we had was a 20 by 20 WWF prototype ring. So it's yeah. the old school rings that used to have the big coil spring in the middle of the ring for the to give you that uh, bump, that bounce. That bounce, yeah. So, you know, I was mesmerized. We had real ropes. It wasn't steel cable. You know, everything just looked mesmerizing. Something like you see, you know, at a live WWE house show. So, uh, you know, I was awestruck. I wasn't so awestruck when we had to start learning bumps. Because <laughs> once you take that bump and you're just like, oh, my oh, chest, where'd the, where'd the air go? Like, why is my back in my front now? Oh, you know? <laughs> All right, back here on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Randy Zellia, conspicuous by his absence, Emerino Rivera. He is on assignment this week, taking care of uh, some business. But joining me right now, Ring of Honor superstar Mike Bennett. And Mike, I almost want to not say superstar anymore. I want to go back to what's supposed to be ring of honor pro wrestler let's say it together pro wrestler oh it has such a better tone to it such a better it just brings me happiness when i hear pro wrestler well you know you you've you've certainly um had your share of uh of adjustment going back to pro wrestler over the last uh year and a half you know going back to ring of honor where you had a, a quite a bit of success and you know but you're you uh you you seem a lot happier right now yeah I am. It's uh, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you chase a dream for so long and then you have tunnel vision about getting to that dream, getting to that dream. And for me, it was always WWE or bust. That's what I dreamed of. That's what I wanted to do. And I was fortunate enough that along that journey, I, uh, I worked for Ring of Honor. I worked for New Japan. I worked for Impact. And along that journey, I discovered that the dream that I wanted wasn't what I thought I wanted. It was something entirely different. I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I want, I thought I wanted to be a sports entertainer. I did it and then went, mm, no, this isn't for me. I like the sport of pro wrestling. So can you talk about training with Brett and also the debut at the Manhattan center? Yeah. I'll tell you what, um, training with Brett was probably one of the, you, I mean, you couldn't have put me with anybody more perfect. It, it was like, he was no nonsense. I know a lot of people don't like him unless you're from Canada, right? And and they think he's stuck up and cocky, and you know that was his character. People, he's a he, that's who he is, and he's a heel, and uh, and he's he's a serious guy. And so when they put me with him, I was a little skeptical, but once I got there, man, I was very happy because he's a no nonsense person, man. And that's, that's kind of me when you're training, it's like, we're here to do something. We're not here to, you know, pity pat, shake hands and talk about the good old days. We're in there to just get sweaty and get bloody and, and, and get sore. And that's what Brad was. And I got in there and we started working, man. He showed me stuff. He taught me how to be me being in a wrestling ring, told me not to back down from uh, these guys wanting me to turn me into a pro wrestler. He said, don't be a pro wrestler, be you, you're a submission expert. You do your stuff and let them work around you. Um, and then, uh, and so that's what I did. I basically went into pro wrestling and worked, learned from Brett, worked with him for a while. He gave me a great insight of who I needed to be. And, uh, and that's why I was able to, to step into those locker rooms with an understanding of, hey, I have to respect every one of these guys, no matter how low they are. They're, they're there and that they have more experience than I do. And they did. 
because I'd have been away from this for a long, long time. And I had not been at this level before. So every one of those guys in the locker room had more uh, experience and were veterans. And I was a rookie and I had to come in as so. So whenever I work with somebody, I always shook their hand and say, hey, tell me what you want to do. With the understanding of what Brett told me, he's like, shake everybody's hand, ask them what you want them to do, and make sure, even though you're coming to them and you're allowed to put the match together, make sure they don't turn you into a pro wrestler. Don't be doing these hip tosses and, and these these suplexes, uh, so these whatever laterals. You do belly-to-bellies and ankle locks and chokes and arm bars, the things that you do. Um, and if they try to change that, just tell them that Vince wants you to be you stay with what you, who you are, and that you'll just counter off all the pro wrestling stuff that they do. Um, and he said, just, and learn to sell because if you can sell and and make these guys look good, the more they're going to want to work for you. And so all these little tips that Brett gave me along with the hard work in the gym. Um, and I don't care what anybody says, if they, if they dislike him, Brett was a hard worker, Brett worked his ass off. Uh, in the in the gym preparing for these different matches and things of that nature and I and I was there to see it so um, and I was a part of it so that's what I respected about him and I've seen your style particularly like uh, a lot of people don't realize how physical and how intense you guys are especially in in, in Europe you know I, I likened it to uh, what people normally see in, in Japan with the strong style you guys have like a strong style of your own you seem very methodical and then explosive you know like here comes a European uppercut and here comes the the small package you guys are, are intense and that takes a toll on your body I can only imagine yeah but you've got to remember um that when British wrestling was on TV every Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. you used to draw about 15 million viewers. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing was, if you got chemistry like I did with Rollerball Rocco, and I was very fortunate, Rollerball Rocco and Fit Finley, Pete Roberts, Colin Johnson, all Johnny Saints and all these guys, mm-hmm. I used to wrestle... And don't forget, in them days, we had the holiday camps as well, where, you know, all your top stars from America come to this country, they can work twice a day sometimes. So I could be wrestling 10 times a week. What? You know? And then when I went to Japan, that was right up my style. Exactly. Billy Robinson was a big name there. Mm -hmm. And on my second trip, I was very, very fortunate again I was under the Giants tag partner. Huh. So when it was like Antonio Noki, the guy that, you know, in Oki that fought Muhammad Ali, and Fujinami, who was a great wrestler, it was me and Andre against them two all the time. I mean, I did all the work in the ring. He just put asses <laughs> on seats with the sides of him. But hell of a character and all the tales about in drinking and this, that, and the other, I'll tell you, they're all true, because I was there, I've seen it with my own eyes. Oh my God, wow. I can only imagine. I, yeah, I was, you know, it's funny too, because we were doing some research and we saw that you had the opportunity to work with Andre. Um, I'm always fascinated with Andre because of being the way he was. What, as a person, how was he, from your, like, from your perspective on how you worked with him, uh, what was that like? Well, you've got to appreciate and I always say this to people. He had a manager called Frank Valvar. Mm-hmm. 
and he wasn't all that. He was getting on a little bit in years, and Andre, wherever he went, especially in Japan, he was just a mega, mega star. When you went on the tube station, he used to say, Marty, watch this. And he used to shout, come bow up, which is welcome, <laughs> and do a bow. And then all the opposite platform with 500 people, but all bow as well. Oh, wow. He says, there you go, 500 backdrops in one day, you know. <laughs> But he was such a character. He never went out until 11, 12 o'clock at night. And he didn't really get on with the American guys. He loved the British guys. Every British guy that met up with Andre, because what a lot of people don't know, Andre the Giant, when he was 18 years of age, he was like 18 stone. Uh That's 14 pounds of the stone, whatever that is. And he came to Wigan, the... The, the, the backbone of British wrestling to learn wrestling. And Andre obviously was French and he was actually a rugby union player. Really? And he's developed this, let's call it giantism mm-hmm. and everything. But some of the tales, I mean, I was, I'm supposed to be writing a book and I know I could do it just on a week's adventures with Andre the Giant. It's just some of the things he did. It was just unbelievable. But as a guy, he, he was very humble to them people he got on with. <laughs> but he, he was in constant pain all the time with his legs. And I don't like saying this, but can you imagine a guy that size, like trying to have a bath or a shower or go to the toilet or whatever, and his knees have gone. But some of the things we did, I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. Listen, so, so you mentioned you're, you're writing a book. Now, I wanted to write a book, mm-hmm. like an autobiography, but I've never got around to doing it. But I think I should do with all the questions and all these podcasts I'm doing and things like that, you know. You know, it's funny you say that, too, because you said before, you never know who's going to show up. Was it a little weird when you were working with another company and all of a sudden your tag team partner showed up last year and you're, you're like, wait a minute, this is a different company with... But I know you from somewhere type of mentality. <laughs> well, see, I was all for Heath for Impact and all that stuff. And, you know, he had to have some surgery. And uh, I guess he's going to be back in like three months. But I haven't spoken to him since Violent by Design. And I guess he's out there. Heath is out there telling everybody to, you know, because I'll get messages on social media. You know, call call Slater, you know. And uh, it's like, no, I'm not going to call Heath. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has a choice when he gets healthy you know the door is open and uh you know holy waters of change i mean is he too far gone that's that's a question only eric young can answer so can he be part of the group or is he going to be you know is he going to be on the hit list you know because i'll go it's not the first time you know, I, I was doing some research, and this, your wrestling journey began actually be, uh, began down in Miami, of all places. It did. Down yes. at WrestleMania 28. 28, which I can't believe a year from now is going to be 10 years ago. And I think back to then, I was... I was a crazy fan. I think most people that become professional wrestlers, they were the fans themselves. They've experienced it. And aside from growing up in the Attitude Era being there at WrestleMania in the US. It wasn't my very first time to the US, but it was my first time in Miami. And that 
atmosphere, the stadium, the spectacle, feeling like you're at the center of the world for those few hours, it left a lasting impression on me. Listen, I was there at WrestleMania yeah? 28. Yeah, I was, oh I was there. I used to Where go else? almost every year. And uh, let, let me ask you a question, because I remember the card. What was it? Which one did captivated you that, that just drew you in so completely that you went home and you were like, all right, this is it. Like, I have to get in the ring. I have to get my foot in that door. What was it? It was, I remember this very vividly. So it was the Hell in a Cell match. It was, there were moments during the match, and I'll get to them. But I, I love, I can see you guys smiling. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but it was... While the promos are running, the, the pre-match promos, when you're there in the stadium, you kind of, you turn around to watch that there's big titantrons. I was sort of, the ring was there. So the main titantron, I couldn't see. So I was turned around and they sort of dimmed the house lights and you're watching it. And that feeling of anticipation was, I remember just, just feeling, and there was like helicopters going overhead and, and everyone, like all these, 80,000 people were really quiet because they wanted to hear the, you know, the pre-match interviews. And that there was something about that, which you can't quite capture on the DVDs because you, you only see the actual matches, right? And when there's an interview, it just comes up on the screen. So that part, and then of course, some of the near falls during that match, I believe there was a podcast quite recently with Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels. They talked about where Shawn Michaels did the super kick you know, he, as the referee, for those who weren't aware, he was actually the referee. He wasn't supposed to be interfering. So he interfered. And I remember that moment, we thought the streak would definitely end. And like, I was like, oh my God, it was probably one of my favorite near falls. And they said during the podcast interview, they said it was one of their favorite near falls of all time that they've ever done. I, I remember that vividly, man, because I, I grew up a Shawn Michaels fan. Like that, that was the guy that got me to go, hey, you know, like I want to do this. Mm -hmm. I used to watch him kick out at the very last second. Yeah. And I was just captivated. And I was like, you know what? I want to, to, to do that. I want to sit there and, and kick out at the very last second. So it's so cool to hear you have some uh, something similar, you know? Mm. And that's what, what gets us all together is, is that fandom, right? Absolutely. It connects everyone. And we all have these me memories and moments that and you, if I was there with my brother and sister. And you're really lucky if if you have a brothers and sisters to go with or even friends being able to share and be like, oh, I remember when that happened. It just adds to it. I ended up going with my son and we still talk about oh. the matches. Yeah, we, 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 I used to try to take them every year. Those were our vacations. That's how big wrestling fans we were uh, or are. And uh, it, it used to be a great time. Like, I can't do it anymore, obviously, and the world's upside down, so it's not like I'm going anywhere. Listen, I'm, I'm here in New York City, and that's good enough for me. So you, you end up going home, right? And mm -hmm. you're, you're flying home, and this is running through your head, I'm sure. You get back. Uh, what was the process? How did you find a school to get into? You're going to like, this is actually making me tear up a little bit. This is strange. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember thinking, oh, I may as well, may as well do this. Why not? Like, you only have one life. And I was really fortunate because the local school in Leicester was where Robbie Brookside was heading up the school. And he is now not just in the NXT UK, he's in the main performance center in Orlando, I believe. And this was back in 2012. This was before he had officially joined WWE. He was very well known in the world of sport ITV era, which was a British 
during the 70s and 80s. It was on every Saturday. Millions of people tuned in a little bit before my time. But so Robbie happened to be running the local school. I thought, I'll just pick the one that's closest to me. Turned out to be pretty much the best school in the UK, if not Europe. So I was very lucky there. I remember turning up with my dad and we were waiting outside. So the very first week I was going to go, the gym they were using had a fire. Uh, so the next week, I didn't go that week. The next week, I believe it was the end of April of that same year, uh-huh. April or, or the very beginning of May. So we missed one week because of fire. And so there's this new venue that kind of has graffiti on. It's a bit more seedy because it's a temporary venue. There's like cigarette butts on the floor. And my dad, who wasn't very happy about me wanting to start doing this, was thinking, hmm, not sure about this. <laughs> and then then he meets Robbie, who is very much a gentleman. And he says, how tall are you? Because my dad's like 6'4", um, which was the first impression. And then my dad hung around to sort of watch the training and it was very safe, very much you work from the ground up, learning the skills, learning how to take a bump before you do any crazy moves like that. So I think very, very quickly my dad uh, turned turned around and, and decided to support me on the journey. All right. So that's the, the best of the cut volume two here on the Cup Pro Wrestling Podcast. Check out all of our archives. Like I said, we'll be back in the beginning of August with brand new episodes. We're already recording a couple of different great interviews. I hope you guys are looking forward to it. We are, but first off, again, I want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you to Andrew Fumi. Thank you to Emerito Rivera. Thank you for all of the great fans who've been listening to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of our great guests. We have a lot more to come. Don't go nowhere. We're going to, uh, you know, we're going to keep rocking and rolling. We, you know, we've had some great, definitely have had some great guests on this show, and we want to keep that going. Um, don't forget to follow us all on social media, the Cut uh, uh, the Cut PW Podcast on Instagram, Cut Wrestling BSP on Twitter, and the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. We are on all major podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify. You name it, we're there. Go to backsportspage.com. Check out everything going on there. We're going to be, like I said, we're doing some changes here on this podcast. Uh, Backsports page is going to be more heavily involved. And uh, we have some big surprises coming up as well. So looking forward to seeing everybody when we come back in August here on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast.